as soon as my mom passed away, I just felt I'm never going to laugh again. I'm never really going to be as happy again. I'm never going to enjoy a Christmas. I'm, I just felt like my life was over and I didn't want to move forward with a lot of things. I'm like, I don't want to get married because my mom will never approve of or meet my husband. I don't want to have kids because my mom won't be there to help me. There were all these different things. And now that I've lived so much life, like, you know, I've traveled the world. I've been to all of these incredible places, graduating from college, moving, getting married. It's really shown me that there is beautiful life, not just okay, mediocre life. There really is such beautiful, there's so many new memories to be made. Hi guys, I'm your host, Megan Van Diepender, and this is the Empowerhood Podcast. I am so happy to have you here. You know, motherhood is hard, and we are going to talk about all of the hard things that just are not talked about enough. So buckle up and enjoy this episode. Oh, so hi, Ashley. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thanks. How are you? I'm good. So good. good to see you. I know. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So everyone out there listening in today, we have Ashley Salvador here with us, and she is going to talk with us a little bit about her journey of losing her mom, which is just such a huge topic, and I really, really appreciate you coming on to share your story, Ashley. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Yeah. So I'm Ashley. I'm 31, which still feels so weird to say. Um, I live in Stillwater, New York. I moved here in 2020, a month before the pandemic, having no idea what was about to go down. Um, But I'm originally from Ohio. Um, Right out of high school, I moved to New York City. I went to college there. And then I pretty much have been down in the city for the last, gosh, almost a decade. Um, But I moved here in 2020 and I live with my husband. Um, If my husband was here, he would want you to know that he is the 2022-2023 mullet champion of America. (laughs) Um, that's very important that, um, people know that. And, um, we have a mini Australian shepherd named Gracie. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so you grew up in Ohio, so that's where you started. Okay. So, um, now what was it like growing up there and, you know, were you close with your family or what was your family life like? So my family life was a little different. So basically my parents, and this is probably a different podcast conversation, but my parents met through a religious cult, essentially. They had a 33-year age difference. Um, So my mom was actually married when she was 16, and she had me when she was 17. Oh, wow. My mom and I were extremely, extremely close, Um, you know, because she was a teen mom. There wasn't this huge, huge age gap. So I ended up calling her Jenny in the last few years of her life because we really were kind of on that weird level of friendship. We did everything together. My mom had um, two retail stores and one which was like a large home decor store. It was called Baskets of Blessings and it was this huge, huge country home decor store. She also had like a Vera Bradley Pandora store. I don't know if you remember those. Yeah, um, yeah. It was really, really hot. So she had one of those um, boutiques. So Basically, it was my mom, my dad. I have a sister who is now 23 years old, which is also just so crazy. Time is just going by so fast. Um, (laughs) A little sister. And then the family businesses were pretty much run by my mom, myself, my grandmother, um, my Aunt Jody, which was my mom's sister. Okay, so you had a lot of family around in the area. I had a lot of family around. We were extremely close. I mean, we went on 
so many family vacations together. We work together. Um, we just wanted to be together all the time. We were just one of those families. Um, but basically, my mom and I were extremely close. She was a business owner. She was always busy. She was always on the go. And my junior year of high school, towards the end, she just wasn't feeling great. She felt like she was really tired. She never drank coffee, but she was like addicted to Mountain Dew. And she would be like, I'm drinking three Mountain Dews a day. And I still feel like I have no energy. I've been feeling so tired. Oh, wow. This went on for maybe like two weeks. Okay. Finally, she went to the ER. And I remember because she had my sister and some of the neighbor kids in the car and they were going to see the newest Shrek movie. Okay. And she was like, I know I've got mono, just like, you know, give me, give me the meds. I know what I need. I'm sure this is mono. A lot of my employees have had it. I just, I, I need medicine for mono. And they were like, whoa, 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 hold on. And basically told her that she had a childhood form of leukemia that should have surfaced years ago. You know, by then she was in her thirties. They're like, we don't know how this has never surfaced up until this point. Wow. So she was rushed from the ER to Cleveland Clinic, which is, you know, the best healthcare that you can get. So she went into the hospital. She did not tell me that she had cancer. No one told me that she had cancer, probably like the first week that she was in the hospital. And I knew something was off, but I didn't fully know what was off. I remember calling her and being like, Jenny, I don't want to go to all these grad parties by myself because it was around June. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to go to all these grad parties by myself. I need you to just like get your medicine. I don't know what they're telling you, but you need to just come home. I had no idea right, the right. severity. Situation. And my mom was like, oh, I'm just not feeling good. They're not really sure what it is. But she knew. Why After do you think she didn't tell you? I think, well, I think that the doctors were very hopeful. She was at Cleveland Clinic. So again, like the best care mm. in the world that you can get. And I really believe that the doctors were like, we, we've got you here now. You're going to be okay. Right. So I think she really felt like she was going to get better. So after a week of her not being home, I was actually just like annoyed. I was like, where's my mom? I need my mom to be here. I want to hang out. I mean, I was just like a dumb teenage girl. I didn't know what was happening. Finally, one day I cornered one of her employees and I said, I feel like something's really wrong with my mom and you have to tell me. Yeah. And she was so, I definitely cornered her and she just went, your mom has cancer. I'm so sorry. And I just burst into tears. And I called her. I mean, she'd only been at Cleveland Clinic for a little over a week. And I was like, you know, this employee's telling me you have cancer. What's happening? I want to come see you. Yeah. Went to see her. And she was just such a glass half full person. Yeah. Um, she was like, uh, they're telling me I'm sick, but I think I'm going to be fine. It's going to be, it's going to be fine. Yeah. So... From the day she was diagnosed with cancer, she passed away about three weeks later. Oh, my God, Ashley. It was such a whirlwind for us. So she actually went into remission. She was ready to come home. So I had a ton of animals at the time. I had two cats that had kittens the same week. We had a dog that had puppies. I had goats. The doctors were like, hey, you've got to get rid of all of the animals. Your mom is in remission. She is going to come home, but she basically has to live on, like, house arrest. She has a very weak immune okay. system. You have to be very, very careful. So the doctors told us she was in remission. We were ready to receive her and have her come home. My grandmother was staying in the hospital at that time, and my grandma had noticed what she thought was maybe a bed sore. She kept bringing it up to the nurses. This just looks weird. Can you look at this? Can somebody look at this? 
nobody really paid attention to it until someone finally was like, oh my gosh, that's that's a really bad bed sore. We should probably go in and, and scrape that out. So she went into surgery to, again, they were just like, we're just removing a bed sore. Like this is not the end of the world. We do this all the time. So myself, my aunt Jody, um, my grandparents, we were all in the waiting room as she went into surgery. We waited and waited. They were like, okay, she's out of surgery. You can go home. We'll give you guys a call in the morning when she, you know, when she's fully back up and running. And we all went out to the parking lot. We were all trying to figure out where we were going to eat. And we got a phone call that said, you need to come back in. You need to come back into the hospital right now. And we came back in and my, in my head, I'm like, did somebody forget their purse? I mean, it really was just so, we just felt like everything was going really well. They were telling us everything was going really well. And we went back in the hospital and they said, okay, we're losing her. We're going to bring her back for you guys to say goodbye. Oh my God. And we were like, I mean, it just was not making, it wasn't registering us what was happening. So I kind of fought with my dad and I was like, I, I want to be, they had, they had had a very up and down relationship at that time. And I just wanted to be alone with her. So I got to go in the room. I got to be alone with her. You know, it was obviously she was already gone, um, but they were trying to like, you know, revive her, but it just didn't happen. And so this happened um, in the middle of June, I was 17 years old and my world just completely flipped upside down from that point on. Um, like I said, my father and I never had a good, really a, a good relationship. And unfortunately, after my mom passed away, it just continued to decline after that. Everyone was so distraught with my mother's passing. I mean, so many of us relied on her for so many things. She passed away when she was only 35. Very, very young. My yeah. husband, 36 now. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're literally older yeah. than what my mom would be. Um, it was really hard. So when I was 17, you know, my mom had these businesses. I was kind of just like set to inherit these businesses. One of them was named after my sister and I. No one in my family had really went to college. Many of them had not finished high school. So the plan for me was to just go to community college, get a couple of accounting, you know, classes under my belt, come back, help grow the family businesses. That was what I was set to do with the rest of my life. From the day that she she passed away, everything just flipped. My dad inherited both of the stores. Um, He pretty much ran both of those into the ground, unfortunately. And that summer, that first summer she had passed away, I was just like, what am I going to do? Like, the businesses are gone. I have no plans to go to college. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I applied to one school in New York City called the King's College. It's a small Christian-based liberal arts school. It was so small at the time. It was in the basement of the Empire State Building. Oh, my gosh. Um, There were only three degrees to choose from. It was, like, law, business, and then, like, the arts. So I I went with business. Okay. So I finished out, you know, one year of high school, my senior year, and then I immediately moved to the city. Okay. Now – I'm so sorry, first of all, because that, I mean, that just must have been so horrible. Um, Now, what happened when they lost your mom? So the surgery 
cause an infection or like what happened? Yeah. She had such a low, weakened immune system that she basically got a flesh-eating bacteria. Oh, and my God. Very, very wow. quickly. So what about your sister and everything? So afterwards, so you weren't getting along with your dad. You decided to finish out school and then head out to the city. So what happened with the rest of your family, like your aunts and everyone that was, you know, really close with your mom as well? Yeah. Um, my Aunt Jody had a job out in Oklahoma, so she went to Oklahoma. What was really unfortunate was my family wanted to stay together. They We wanted to be together. My grandma wanted to be with us. My aunt wanted to be with us. I so desperately wanted to help care for my sister, who was only nine years old at the time, um, which... You know, I am so thankful that I had my mom all the way up until I was 17. I was raised by her from the time my sister was nine up till now. She's been with my dad. So a very different parenting style. Um, My aunt basically had to go back to Oklahoma. My grandma tried to work at the stores that my dad had inherited and, and work for him and continue to do what, you know, she was doing. So many of the women, I mean, the women of these stores, these employees truly became like my family. I mean, they took, you know, helped me to get my prom dress, threw me my graduation party. I mean, did all of these things for me. Um, And for so long, a lot of these women stayed to try to keep the stores alive because I think they felt like my mom was, you know, it was her baby, but she wasn't there anymore. So the business is kind of dissolved. I desperately... Originally, I wanted to stay in Ohio because I wanted to be with my sister. Yeah. Unfortunately, my dad was so, so, so controlling. Um, We did not have a good relationship. It was always very hostile. Um, You know, I I have to be careful with what I say because my father is still alive. Um, But, you know, knowing, just saying that they had met through a religious cult, um, there were a lot of those practices that continued on that were just not you know, okay, psychological abuse, verbal abuse, um, actively practice shunning. I mean, kind of, you name it, it was just always very hostile, you know, would threaten to kill me if I didn't do what he said. Um, So it really became a situation where I just felt totally helpless. And unfortunately, there just wasn't a lot that I could do. And I was like, well, here are my options. I can stay here fight with this man every single day in hopes that one day maybe he will give me these businesses that were always supposed to be mine. Yeah. The likelihood that he wouldn't run them into the ground or I can go try to create a new life for myself. So I, I basically just went to New York city and I, I never went back. Wow. Wow. Now how did you cope with the loss of your mom? Like what were some of the resources and things that you did to kind of get past that? Obviously, leaving mm-hmm. was, seems like one of the biggest things yeah. that you did. Yeah, that the the situation was so, and again, it's just a whole different podcast episode. But it was just so chaotic. It was so crazy. And I do wish that I could say that when my mom passed away, I immediately went to therapy and I did all these healthy coping the, mm-hmm. these things I could have done. But I was seventeen years old, essentially yeah. left without parents, and nobody could really tell me what to do. So I started dating a guy that was ten years older than me. Um, what little money I had found, I had you know squandered because I was eighteen years old and was like, "Does everybody want to go to Applebee's with me?" Um, you know, moving to New York City, I feel like I. So when she first passed away, I had almost no emotion. Yeah, no emotion. 
didn't really cry. I remember her funeral. I was like, this person should speak. I don't want this person to speak. You know, it's kind of fuzzy, but I remember I got up and was like, guys, I, you know, our days are numbered. I think we all need to just keep living our best lives. That's what my mom would want. Everybody else is like sobbing. And I remember just feeling like I, I have to just keep going. Yeah. It wasn't bring to me what was happening. So moving to New York City, I was just immediately put into a new environment of like fun, exciting. It's the city. Um, you know, I started my crazy partying stage, you know, yeah. dating people that I shouldn't be dating. I spent so much time really just trying to fill a void. Yeah. And avoid the pain of losing someone that I was so deeply close with. It was just something that I truly feel like I could not face. And it wasn't until, oh my gosh, five years after my mom had passed away, I was a nanny to two wonderful children in Brooklyn. And one day I just completely had a mental breakdown. And I remember telling the mom, like, I can't pick up your kids. I cannot pick up your kids. I can't do it. My mom will never see my kids. I can't do this. Wow. And she, I mean, she was so wonderful and so sweet, but it was very confusing that it was like my mom had died five years ago and I just now was like really going through a lot of the motions yeah. of grief. And when people say it is a roller coaster, it it's not linear. Grief is yes. not linear. There's not an end date. And I'm very much a fixer. I want things to happen overnight. And yeah. for me to know that I'm just basically involuntarily, uh, like I'm on this roller coaster that I don't want to be on. Yeah. was so painful for me. So I didn't really start dealing with it until probably five or six years later. Wow. Wow. Now, when that came up, did you reach out and get a therapist? Did you start processing those emotions more? Yeah. I So I had grown up going to church. Um, when I moved to the city, I really didn't want anything to do with God or religion or any of it. I still believe there was a God, but I just was like, I, I just don't want any part of it. Um, I got really involved with the church there and I joined a small group with these women that just helped me so much. So I think part of when my mom passed away, somebody that I was so, so close to, it was extremely hard for me to get close to people again, because I was like, yeah. This 30-something-year-old, lively, healthy, wonderful person just vanished, just gone. Yeah. I. It was very hard for me to build authentic friendships and relationships after that. So I feel like a lot of people felt like they knew me, but I was extremely, extremely closed off because I had all of this baggage that I didn't want people to know about. So it wasn't really until I joined um, – this small group that I feel like I really started to open up and like grieve my mom in a healthy way, which right. was just talking about it. Right. Right. Now, um, I mean, it's, so it's been how many years now? Um, cause now, I mean, you met your husband in New York city and then you ended up moving out up here to the capital district. Yeah. Um, now have you been able to you know, process it and move on from, not move on, but mm -hmm. what would you say? Like, is there, like, what was the hope that brought you through, I guess, is my question. I truly believe that there is a heaven. I believe there is a heaven. I truly feel like it's never goodbye. It's always see you later. So we're actually, um, you know, my mom has now been gone for 
13 years, which is so crazy to talk about. I mean, that's a decade and then some, right? It's a long. Yeah. Um, But, you know, there's always going to be moments and memories when I graduated from college, when I met my now husband, when I got married, all of these different things. It's like, oh, I wish she could be here. But I truly, truly believe in see you later, not goodbye. Yeah. And we're dealing with this right now. My husband's mom just passed away a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't a very complicated situation. Um, she moved to Australia when my husband was 17 or 18 years old. So he's 36 now. So she's been gone for, you know, oh, more wow. than she came back to the United States last year, um, had some health problems and just passed away a couple of weeks ago. And she was young. She's 59. Wow. Um, You know, it's – what I want to say is this. It was something that I felt like as soon as my mom passed away, I just felt I'm never going to laugh again. I'm never really going to be as happy again. I'm never going to enjoy a Christmas. I just felt like my life was over, and I didn't want to move forward with a lot of things. I'm like, I don't want to get married because my mom will never approve of or meet my husband. I don't want to have kids because my mom won't be there to help me. There were all these different things. And now that I've lived so much life, like, you know, I've traveled the world. I've been to all of these incredible places, graduating from college, moving, getting married. It's really shown me that there is beautiful life, not just okay, mediocre life. There really is such beautiful, there's so many new memories to be made. Yeah. And you will laugh again. You will have joy again. You just have to really be willing to go through this unfortunately like you're strapped to this roller coaster and the only way to get through it is to go through the loop so you can get off it just the roller coaster doesn't stop yeah yeah and it clearly takes time and you're kind of like on your own timeline would you call it because like you know everyone might process things completely differently do you feel like your husband is processing like you know his mom's death different than you processed yours I mean, I I think everyone processes grief differently and I don't think it ever really goes away. But I love how you said that there are so many beautiful memories to still be made. Um, oh, yeah, no problem. I think you froze a little bit. But yeah, I was saying, um, do you feel like everyone processes grief differently? 100%. So like the timeline could be completely differently. So it, it took you five years, but... Could it take less time than that? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I just, again, I was 17 years old. I didn't have parents. I mean, the day after my mom passed away, my dad canceled my health insurance. I didn't have access to someone. Um, I am a big believer, a firm believer in counseling. And what's interesting to me is I'm so amazed by people that don't want to do it only because it literally hurts no one. I've never went to a counseling session and said, oh, wow, I really regret that. Yeah. I feel yeah. like no matter what it is, it's it's getting it out there. But I don't think there's a one fix for everyone that's grieving. Right. 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 And, and you have to be ready to grieve it. Right. I mean, like you said, it took you that long and took you to that point where you were nannying that you were like, okay, now I'm ready. But I yep. assume that must be different for everyone. It is different for everyone. And I have learned to learn losing a parent 
it does not matter how old you are the life stage, wherever you're at, your mom is your mom is your mom. Um, the loss of a parent is just such a hard loss. It is such, um, a unique thing to go through. I mean, again, you know, my husband's mom just passed away and their relationship also just, just a different relationship and he's grieving it in a way very differently than how I grieved my mom. And, you know, just knowing that we're kind of on this roller coaster, even though we don't want to be, we're on this roller coaster thinking about, okay, like the next year we got to work through this. Yeah. Yeah. And it will take time. I'm sure. Um, I mean, I know my, my husband lost his dad, um, in 2021. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it just, again, I think men process things a little bit differently. And I think every person is just unique in the way that they're going to, you know, work through that. Yeah. Yeah. What could you say to people out there, you know, going through this right now, what would be your advice? I would honestly say, just give yourself some grace. Yeah, it's okay. You it's so cliche. It's so lame. But you have to feel the way that you feel you have to reminisce on the good times you have to be pushing a cart through Walmart and then suddenly just cry when you see something that reminds you of that person. I mean, that is truly grief. It it can be very touch and go. And I think I was very frustrated when I started my grief process. I was like, I feel like I should be over this by now. I should just be over this by now. And why am I still sad? Why is it the, you know, the seventh Christmas was really painful and not the second Christmas? Yeah. Um, it's so different for everyone. I would just say, give yourself some grace. Yeah. Yeah. I was saying when you, um, when it went out for a minute, but like I was talking to another girl on here and she lost her stepdad and she was saying, it's, it's weird. She's like, I'll feel like I'm over it, but then it will just hit me like a pain. And I, I don't think that ever goes away. I mean, I've lost grandparents and whatnot and I'll have a memory or something will remind me of them. And it's just like an instant kind of pain. Not that I'll be crying, but it's like, So, I mean, it's like losing a parent that is so close to you, whether you had a great relationship or not, they're, they brought you into this world. So, I mean, I just think that is so hard. Um, And you might not ever be completely over it in that sense, right? Right. Like you can move on and start enjoying life again. And like you said, there's so many beautiful things in life for you to enjoy, but it doesn't mean you're never going to forget them. Right, right. Or what they do I also too, I feel like my problem is I never want to be a burden to other people. I never want other people to be sad for me or worry about me. But in reality, you know, it's not till you can look back and say, wow, like there were people that were trying to help me. And I was just so fixated on doing my own thing. You know, people don't understand what I'm going through. Let the people around you, let your village, whatever that is, let them love you, let them care for you, and also be willing to listen to some of the hard things. I mean, there were a couple of people that kind of, you know, perked up when I was 18 and dating a 28-year-old, and I didn't want to hear it. I was like, well, I'm going through a hard time right now, and you can't really tell me what to do. Had I listened to some of these people, I would have (laughs) saved myself a lot of trouble, Um But I would just say use that village, whatever that is, use it to your advantage and share your pain with other people. We really don't grow in isolation. We grow in community. And that for me, again, me really starting my healing journey happened when I joined this this small group at my church. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely found like once you put it out there and 
just speak truth and not just like superficial like you said you you weren't really letting people in for a while right and it's like I feel like we all do that we're just like emotionally detached when we get in our you know our stuck moment where we can't process something but just like speaking it out loud and putting it out there and being real it just opens the door to be able to heal and and for people to help you Yeah. yeah yeah Definitely. Bring it to light. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to my daughter before I came on here and she's like, mom, why are you talking to Ashley? And I was like, well, Ashley, you know, her mom passed away and she has this story and she's like, but why? And I was like, well, sometimes it gives people hope when they just know they're not alone. You know, that goes so far. Just sharing your story and just putting it out there for people right now that might be going through this right now, like your husband. And I think that really goes such a long way. And just knowing that, you know, you're not alone in your pain and it's okay to talk about it. No, it is. It's the best thing to do is to talk about it. Um, for me, it's it's still a journey, right? Like it's yeah. still a journey, but I do want to encourage people to know that they will have joy. They can have hope. They can have all of these things. God has fully brought so much healing in my life that I thought would never happen. Like for years, I was like, I'll never forgive my dad. I'll never forgive my dad for what he's done to us. I'll never forgive my dad. I truly feel like I have been able to forgive him, Mm. which is something that I was like, no, not possible. Don't have to, don't need to. Um, The gift of forgiveness has honestly brought me a ton of healing because it was only hurting me. You know what I mean? I think that grief brings up a lot of feelings of anger, a lot of feelings of bitterness, which were emotions I wasn't used to honestly feeling. I, I was a very happy kid, very happy teenager. Um, anger, bitterness, resentment. These were things that I just was not used to. And it wasn't, again, years later, able to process like forgiving. Forgiving was huge in my grief journey for sure. Yeah. Now, did you actually go out and tell your dad that you forgive him or you just, you know, mentally forgave him? I feel like I have mentally forgave my dad. And, you know, I think forgiveness also is a process. And somebody had told me, how do you know I was like, how do you know if you've really forgiven someone? Yeah. And someone told me, I don't remember who this was, but you don't wish ill on them anymore. You yeah. don't want them pain. You don't want revenge on them. Yeah. And I feel like the Lord has completely shifted my posture towards this person. Um, I don't think my dad thinks he did anything wrong. Yeah. You know, this is just kind of a narcissistic thing. He doesn't think he's done anything wrong. He probably doesn't really remember, you know, all the things he put us through you know, canceling health, health insurance, you know, you name right. it. But um, yeah, it, it's definitely been more of a mental thing. Right. Right. For me, I just feel like, okay, anytime I have any weird, you know, a fight with a friend, you know, somebody offends me, something happens. I'm like, okay, you were able to forgive your dad. You can do these things. You yeah. can do hard things. And I think that was another thing for me too, is like my life was so sheltered. This is, in my mind, like one of the hardest things that anyone would have to go through. Yes. Um, you know, we, we are capable of doing hard things. Yeah. Yeah. I think forgiveness is so hard. Um, but I think, like you said, it's it's on you, right? Like the other person might not even think that they yep. did anything. So it's really like it's a burden on you. So when you let that go, I really do think it's so healing because it's holding you back, no one else. The the yeah. you know, when you're holding resentment and anger towards someone, you know, if especially if they don't even know, um, you know, you need to to let that go to be able to forgive. Yeah. It, that's hard though. I mean, it's much easier said than done. Oh, 
it's so hard and for me it was just doing it again and again and again and again like he would do something horrible and I'd be like okay this is this feels like one more check I just feel like it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and just checking off each of those like I'm gonna say it I'm gonna keep saying it I'm gonna keep saying it I forgive you I forgive you I forgive you until I believe it for me it was also you know I don't know if you've ever heard of praying for your enemies for a long time. My dad felt like enemy number one. Yeah. Praying for him just felt totally wrong. And I remember being in my prayer life saying, God, I am praying for my dad. I don't want to be praying for my dad. Yeah. I am praying for my dad. I am praying for my enemy. I don't like this. Can you help this to be less painful? And it's very hard to hate someone that you are praying for. It's really hard. But you can't feel two emotions, right? At one time. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And so that has been really helpful for me too, is um, praying for these people. That's great. I love that. Now, are you still in touch with your sister? I am still in touch with my sister. We, you know, it's just so amazing. We're so much alike, but we're just so different. She's 10 times cooler than I'll ever be. Um, you know, I mean, she has like a nose ring. I mean, she's just cool. I don't know. You're pretty cool, Ashley. (laughs) Edgy. She's just edgy. Um, yes, my sister is still in Ohio. I pray every day that she will move here to upstate New York so we can have a happy life together. Um, she's got her own little, little world over there, but now she's 23. Okay. But you still talk to her regularly? Oh, that's good. I love my sister so much. Our relationship is it, it's a different dynamic. We're friends, but in a lot of ways, because, you know, we have such a big age gap, I yeah. kind of acted as a mother for a long time. You know, the extravagant 16th birthday and the 18th birthday, those were things that my mom did for me. She gave yeah. me very extravagant milestone birthdays. You know, so for her 21st birthday, she came down to Brooklyn and we saw the Beach Boys and went to Coney Island. Oh, and so fun. Her 16th birthday, she came to the city and I took her to these shows and, you know, all these things too felt like I was honoring my mom with the way that I was living. And I think that's really big too. Every year on the anniversary of my mom's passing, I walk barefoot in the grass um, because I remember her being in the hospital, calling her and saying, do you want anything? Do you need anything? And you know, she was so, you know, messed up from all the, the treatment, the chemo. And I remember her just being like, I want to just put my bare feet in the grass. I just want to put my bare feet in the grass. And what's sad is often it takes someone passing to reevaluate what's actually really important and what's like really dumb and petty and small. Um, I will say that, you know, my mom passing away from an early age has really taught me to live our lives to the fullest. You do not know when your last day is. I tell you, my mom had pretty much everything, the love of everyone, tons of money, success, um, gorgeous house. I mean, she just, she's somebody that really had it all and in an instant gone. And I am so grateful that we did every trip that we did. Um, You know, every over the top experience that we did, I think that too, for me, I, I really wanted to travel again. So when my mom passed away, I started doing a lot more international trips yeah. um, by myself. I would just go by myself. I didn't want to wait around, wait, sorry, wait around for anyone because yeah. I didn't, I don't know when my last day is. Yeah. I don't want to have the time off from work or the money. So I just started going by myself. And, you know, now that I'm here living my life in upstate New York and Albany airport is terrible. Um, I'm <laughs> I went to all of the places that that I did. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. And I'm sure it was such an experience too by yourself. I mean, that's kind of scary, but it's also like you got to do what you wanted to do and not have to please anybody else while you were there. I just cannot express this enough. If you have not went on a solo trip by yourself, I cannot recommend this enough. Whether you're single, whether you're married, I I don't care. Once you take a solo trip, I feel like you really understand the type of person you are. You really figure out, are you a night owl? Are you a morning person? You actually like to work out. Like, who are you really when no one is watching? Because when you're in Europe by yourself, no one knows you. It's It's one of the most freeing things. And I started doing it for so long. I lived with my two best friends in the city for a short time. Um, They're both flight attendants. So I was able to travel pretty much all over the world basically for free. Um, And I'm so glad that I took advantage of those opportunities. I was so addicted to solo travel, though, that when my now husband came along, I was like, yeah, but I I just like, what if I want to go somewhere really remote in Costa Rica and I don't want to be bothered? I just started to love solo travel so much. And I've honestly had so many women reach out to me after I've pestered them to do the solo trip, whether it's just like a cabin in the woods minutes away. It is so freeing and to just be alone, oh, it's the best. I got to get off my soapbox. I love solo travel. This sounds amazing. You're convincing me right now. I'm serious. It it truly, it's amazing. That's awesome. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing that. I know that probably wasn't easy for you, um, but I know it will help so many people. Thank you. I love hearing it. Yeah. Thank you. I will talk to you later. You have a great day. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Empowerhood is brought to you by Flourish Everyday Coaching. Check them out in the link below. And again, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. If you could take 60 seconds of your time and leave us an Apple review, this helps share the news about this podcast and help women all over the world. If you want to see the video version of this podcast, you can go to our YouTube channel and subscribe there. Thank you so much. And we'll see you at the next episode.